You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Number two, please, Ecclesiastes chapter number two. And uh, who needs a fill-in-the-blank sheet tonight? Raise your hand, please, if you would. All right. Who's too warm? Good. We're learning not to complain. I see it. All right. No, it's good. Thank you. How about a pen? Anyone need a pen tonight? You know what I think it is? I think it's when people see that we have people on duty in the back, like ready to give out papers. You don't want them. But when you look back there and there's no ushers, you're like, you know what, give me an extra paper. But, uh, but I appreciate uh, that uh, our ushers are doing a great job there. Good. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Hey, please sign up for that couples conference tonight. It's literally two days away. And uh, so food is already being prepared. We got uh, Friday night. And by the way, uh, dress is business casual. Business casual. And if you don't know what that is, Google it, because I had two recently as well, uh, what that includes, but uh, we're in no, no suits and ties required, nothing like that. Uh, but uh, uh, we're, we're going to have a great time. It's going to be a big help to those that are there. And uh, Friday night, you know, it's going to be a big help to you is that tri-tip we're going to have. That's going to be fantastic. And then um, Saturday morning, I don't know if it's cinnamon rolls or business and gravy or filet mignon. I'm not really sure what Saturday morning is, but it's going to be great. And uh, so be, be there for the couples conference if you can. And then um, I wasn't uh, up here to give the announcement about Tom and Jerry, but many of you know uh, Brother Tom and Miss Jerry, of course, they were here a long time, moved to, uh, I think it's Montana, um, somewhere up there. And uh, they, uh, Br- Brother Tom has been declining for a while, and it really looks like today or tomorrow he may be graduating to heaven. And uh, so he's not, he's in, in that type of dire straits, just so you know. And um, you can be in prayer for them. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to look at uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 tonight. And um, boy, I felt like there was something else I wanted to say. Where's our prayer bulletin there? But um, I do want to make mention that um, Brother Diom, who's here Sunday night, He's preached here before, a veteran missionary. He's going to be a blessing to us. But uh, in a couple weeks, about a month away from now, we're going to, I want to give you a heads up, because some of you don't like change, okay? But I wanted to just let you know this in advance, that uh, our Wednesday night service format is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be called Wednesday night dance now. No, I'm kidding, it's not. Uh, It's going to be a little bit different. One of the functions of a church is to pray together. And what we're doing currently on Wednesday night is not not really meeting that format. And so we want to give you an opportunity on Wednesday nights to come to church. Nothing's changing with what we're preaching, what we're doing. Simply, it's the format is changing. And we're going to have a couple different meeting rooms where you can come in. We're going to have coffee on Wednesday nights. Really thought I'd get some amens about that, but that's okay. I think the heat's just making us sink into our seats right now. I don't know if it's hot there, but it is is stifling up here. But uh, we're going to have you come in, grab some coffee, maybe a pastry. We'll have different groups that are meeting. Come in. There'll be a leader in each group, and you're going to spend time praying. 
And uh, then we'll come to the service in here at about 7.30, 7.30. We'll sing a few songs, have a 25-minute message, maybe an hour message. Who knows what the Lord leads, but usually 25-minute message and uh, something like that. We'll continue our Bible studies in Ecclesiastes. It'll just be a, a little bit shorter. Uh, but we want to give you an opportunity to do what churches are supposed to do, pray together, have fellowship together. And, uh, and share what's on your heart with somebody else and say, hey, pray for me about this. And, 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 and it's going to be, a, I think it's going to really help our church. You know, living in the city, many of you live far away. You know, you live, uh, your drive to church from work or from your house is so long and, and it's hard to get here as it is. And so to have a prayer meeting on Friday night or Saturday night, it's difficult to have that because of where we live and traffic and all of that. And so we want to make it easier. We want to have an actual time where you can come and pray together with brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, share needs. And if you want to come and just pray by your lonesome over there, yeah, you can do that too. But you'll have an opportunity. We'll have, you know, sometimes we'll have men, a, a men's class, a ladies' class, a catch-all class. Sometimes, and by class, I just mean meeting room. And then we'll have teenagers sometimes meeting. We'll vary it up. And uh, to be honest... It is a new thing that I don't know anybody else that does, uh, any other church, so it may have some kinks in it, but I really think, just been wanting this to do this for so long, that this is going to be a big help to our church. So we'll still be singing, we'll still be preaching the same stuff, but uh, the, I think the added time for you to be able to connect in prayer with someone else and share those concerns, that's the Bible tells us to do that. So I think it'll be a big help. So I'm throwing that out there, and we'll announce it more and how it's going to happen as, as it gets closer, but it's about a month away, and uh, we'll see how it goes, all right? So uh, I, I probably just, some of you who are planners, you're already just like, what is he th throwing a wrench in your plans, but it's okay. You'll get, you'll get adjusted to it, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're looking today at verses 4 through 11, and uh, I've entitled this one, From Pleasure to Treasure. And I'd like us to look in here and read in just a second, but can we just review for a minute Solomon's thesis statement? In verse 2, he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. This is chapter 1, verse 2, I apologize. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, uh, saith the preacher. All, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? So his thesis statement is, it doesn't even matter. What we do, you know, it's all vain, it's all meaningless, it's all empty, and so it's all futile. And that was his thesis statement. Well, well, how did he get there? Well, we saw verses 4 through 11 shows some of, you know, why he felt that way. And, and then verses 12 through 18 show that uh, how he got that way. And he, and he began to, uh, Solomon is very interesting here because he began to seek and search out really kind of like the meaning of life. And to figure out, like, what is it all about? What will bring fulfillment and joy to my life? And he said, okay, so the first area I'm going to dedicate myself to is wisdom and knowledge. Earthly, earthly wisdom and knowledge. And find out if I get all the wisdom and all the knowledge I can get, is that really going to help me feel fulfilled in life? And so if you read those verses, if you, haven't, if you weren't there for the Bible study, the answer was no. He said the same thing. He said, no, it's all vanity. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not giving me what I'm looking for. It's not answering my question. Then he goes to, uh, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, pleasure. And he starts looking for uh, food and drink and entertainment. And that really is continued here into these verses, verses 4 through 11, where it, uh, Solomon is searching for something. 
You know that everybody in this world is searching for something? That we're searching for things. We're most, everybody in life at some point or another searches for meaning, searches for the purpose of life. And they find different reasons why they think they're there. But uh, he's, tried, he's tried pleasure and now he's trying treasure. And so let's look at that. And, and the question he's going to ask is, can things bring fulfillment and purpose? Is that on your sheet there? No, it's not. But can, that's the question he is, is asking himself. Can things bring fulfillment and purpose to life? Look at verse 4. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I, I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all they that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. My, my, my wisdom that I had, just like he had said in verse 3, that yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, yet guiding my heart with wisdom, he's saying, I did all this, all this, but I was still thinking the whole time. I was still applying wisdom to what I was searching out to figure out, does this make me happy? And by the way, when he says there in verse 9, so I was great, that's not like what we say, you know. Are you a good basketball player? I'm a great basketball player. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, I accumulated a bunch of stuff. I, I, I was... I was Rich, I was great. Verse 10, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So he's going to get back to the same point. What's interesting to me is that verse 10 where he says, whatever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. My mom just left town yesterday, flew out yesterday. But on Monday, my wife and I and uh, Kelly and my mom went to L.A. And uh, you say, why would you ever do that? I don't know. No, I'm kidding. But uh, we went to downtown L.A. There's a market, uh, a Grand Central Market. Is that what it's called? And uh, I love that place there. There's, you know, there's some great restaurants there. So we took my mom there. And then around the corner, a couple streets away, there's a little French uh, bakery called Pichon or something like that. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't speak French, but it's, I think it's Pichon. And uh, we went there, and, and, and I, we walked in, and they had you know, just the, the croissants. You know, you have to oh, oh, when you say something French. You know, you got to... Uh-huh, put that in there. And they had the, the almond croissants and, and uh, they had a bunch of other stuff I couldn't pronounce. And then they had macarons, which I love me some macarons. They were super expensive, but I loved me some macarons. And you know what? I walked in there and everything my eyes saw that I wanted, I think I bought. I think I walked out of there with like six pastries. And I was like, I'll have one of those. Oh, what's this you have here? Give me one of those. You know, I was just like going through. I was withholding nothing from my eyes because I was able to get them. We walked out of the bakery, turned the corner. There was a Lamborghini there. And I said, I'll have one of those as well. But you know what? For some reason, it didn't become mine. Can you, can you imagine Solomon? Every time he saw something he wanted, he's like, you know what? I'll have that. 
but sir, it's mine. No, it's mine now. I mean, he had the power to do anything. He had anything he wanted. Whatever the newest invention was, I mean, he had it all. Whatever my eyes wanted, I didn't withhold it from, I, I just got it. That, that is, you know, we, we really can't equate anything like that. Richest man in the world, Elon Musk can't do that. But Solomon was able to do that. And he got all of these things here, and he was asking himself, then I, first of all, I looked on all the works of my hands, that, that my hands had wrought, and to the labor that I had labored to do. Did it answer his question? No, it didn't. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's pray together, and I want to show you a pattern that I think a lot of people go through. Father, bless, I pray, this message give us wisdom to see the truth in this message, but Lord, sometimes I think we see this truth, but when we walk out of the doors, we don't apply it to real life outside of church. And I pray, God, that we would begin to see the world through the lens of Scripture. Help us do that, please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there's a pattern that I think people often follow in life. I think everybody searches for meaning and answers. And uh, I want to give you some thoughts here. You know, celebrities follow this pattern, right? They, they, they set out to, to, to accomplish something and to be rich and to be famous, and then they get it, and then it's like they're not happy. They start getting weird. They start doing weird stuff. And then, uh, you know, before long, they're, they're, they, they either give into a lot to charity or they ha- find some cause. But it doesn't seem like many of them are happy. And I use celebrities as an example because they are people that get what they want. They, you know, they're, they're able to get the popularity or the, the money in different things. And it's the closest we can imagine to someone like <coughs> Solomon. And I think Christians can fall into this mental trap sometimes, this way of thinking. I want to help us with that tonight. I want you to follow this pattern that I think everybody takes in life. Or, or, or starts to take. And, and mainly not, not Christians. But... Number one, I want you to see that Solomon asks an existential question. He asks an existential question. Existential, what is that? It's a big word for meaning dealing with the existence of life, the purpose and meaning of life, okay? That's what it's talking about. There is existentialism out there. There's a teaching that basically, hey, we're all alone. It's up to me. You know, that's existentialism, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just he's asking questions about his own existence, Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Again, it's part of his thesis statement, his conclusion. What pro- He's asking a question. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Say, wh- what's the purpose of it all? What, what is the, the meaning of everything? And so that's what his, his question is. Now, look, he starts the book with his conclusion, which is interesting. You don't usually start a book with a conclusion, right? You don't start with the ending, but he does. He says in verse 2 what his conclusion is. He says, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So he's, he's telling us, hey, look, I have reached a conclusion. To what? To a question he asked. What was the question? What does it even matter what I do on earth? That was the question. The, you know, basically, what's the purpose? You know, and he's going on a search The question he asked, if you write this in, was about the purpose of life. The purpose of life. He's asking a question about the purpose of life. What what does it matter what I do here? What's the purpose of it all? You know, before I really got into church, I I was saved young, but I got away from the Lord. I used to listen to a lot of music I shouldn't listen to. And um, 
I remember one band that I used to listen to, you know, there was a course that they would sing, and, and, the, and I'm not going to tell you the exact words, but the basic premise that they just repeated over and over again was, why are we here? What's this, what's this whole life about? What's the purpose? And they just say it over and over again, basically like, why are we here? What is life about? And that's what they say over and over. And you know, the song ended and they never had a conclusion. They never figured it out, you know, and, and, and it's a sad thing to think about that. Everyone, I think everyone, if, if you listen to people on earth, they are searching for meaning and purpose. We want to know why we're here. We want to know why we exist. We want to know that, you know, that, that what we do actually matters for something, and it's not a rat race, and we don't just die and go back to the ground and, you know, and, and then you know, whatever other weird beliefs people have. It is one of the biggest questions of life. Now, here's the thing I want to let you know, is that as Christians sometimes, we can take it for granted that we know the answer. And what I mean is, if you're a Christian, you've been saved your whole life, you probably know the answer to what the meaning of life is. You probably know that, that we are here for God's pleasure, that we are here to serve God, to, be, to, to know Jesus Christ. That is the main purpose of life, and, and we can take it for granted. Oh, yeah, we know that. You know, why would, even, why would someone even search for that? The world is searching for it. But we take it for granted because we grew up in church or because we heard the gospel. And that's a good thing. I'm glad we know. But let's not, let, let's not turn a blind eye to the fact that the people across the street, the people in the next cubicle, the people that are your neighbors, they're all searching for meaning and they're not finding an answer. They're, go, they're working all week long to get a paycheck, to go home, to keep the lights on, if it's even possible to pay the gas bill anymore. And, and, and they're doing all of that, and, and inside they're thinking, is there a purpose to this? Why am I doing this? I just got to keep my kids alive, okay? I got to get them out of the house. Then what do I do? And, and people are living without a true meaning for life. They're, they're living, and they're finding some random purpose for life to get them through. But, but it, you know, I, I think sometimes we take for granted that, that we know the meaning of life. Do you know how much of a big deal that is? That you don't have to search for it anymore? All my life long, I had searched for, you know, we sing about that, that song, uh, Satisfied, in, in our songbook, we're just looking for the answers to life and, and looking at the wrong places, but then I found Jesus, and the whole song is basically about now that I'm satisfied because I've, I've met Christ, I have found the purpose of life. So don't take for granted that you know why you're here. That's a big deal because so many people in this life do not know, and they would love to know. And I just wish God would have told us, you know, what to do about that. Yeah, he told us to give them the gospel, show them the meaning and purpose of life. Now, I can't hear much because of the air, so I'm going to need those amens a little bit louder tonight. All right, there we go. Both of you, I appreciate it. Here we go. Number two, he asked an existential question, what profit does a man have of all that he does? And then secondly, he seeks for answers in excessive and extravagant living. That's what these verses are about. He has asked a question about existence. He looked for wisdom. It wasn't there. He looked for pleasure. He didn't find it there. Now he's going to treasure, and he's looking for it there. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to live an excessive lifestyle. I'm going to get those six pastries at Pichon. You know, I'm going I'm to live excessively. Okay, maybe that wasn't excessive. I don't know. And it wasn't six. It was... 
It was like two less than that. But anyway, um, but you know, he's, he's looking to live an excessive and extravagant lifestyle and saying, hey, is that going to fill this hole in my life? Now, you and I both know that every person in this world has a God-shaped hole in their heart. Only God can fill that. Only God can satisfy. Only Jesus can fill up that emptiness that's inside a person. Amen? We know that, okay? But uh, the world does not. They don't understand that. And I, I didn't watch the Grammys. I don't watch trash television like the Grammys or the Oscars. You can do that if you want to, but I will not waste one second of my life watching garbage. Not that I have a strong opinion about it or anything, but I read on, on something, uh, some news show about this guy that dressed up like the devil with devil horns and had flames in the background and his whole, his whole uh, performance was called Unholy and he had demons dancing around him and, and uh, you know, he apparently is a homosexual and the, and, the, and the person that performed with him was a transgender and, and they were just like parading saying, you know, religions, blah, 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 all this and just celebrating the devil on national television with people in the audience cheering and watching. This is our world. Do you think they're fulfilled? By the way, why aren't the atheists mad about that? The atheists get so mad we talk about God, why don't they get mad when people talk about the devil? If they don't believe in God, they shouldn't believe in the devil. I don't get it. All the hypocrisy in this world drives me nuts. But uh, how did I, I don't even know how I got off on that. It's called a tangent is what that's called, a rabbit trail. I'm just mad about it. The wickedness in our world. Good night. <clears throat> All right, back to teaching of the word of God. Here we go. Settle it down, Reynolds. He seeks for answers in excessive and extravagant living. Notice the words that he uses here. In verse 7 and 9, he says this phrase. That he got great possessions and all that. Above all that were in Jerusalem before me. In verse 9, it says they're increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. He's saying, man, I'm richer than anybody that's ever lived, ever before him in Jerusalem. Verses 4, 7, and 9, he says, I've got, you know, I made me great works. I've got great possessions or great cattle, so I was great. These are all big words saying, I had it all. I had everything I wanted and more. In verses 10 and 11, he talks about his eyes. He talks about his heart, that he gave his heart to these things. Whatever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld my, not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. Then in verse 11, he looked at his hands and all the works that he had done. What's he, he's, he's putting everything into this experiment. His eyes, his heart, his mind, his hands. I mean, he really was truly searching. He wasn't just trying to get rich. He wasn't just trying to get things. He was really saying, is this going to make me happy? And he, went, he, he, he tried that. And those are common places where people look. Look, we have to come to realization that we believe this too. We believe this too. A, a lot of times we are taught by this world to believe that if you attain all the things, you will find happiness, true joy, fulfillment, and purpose. And we believe this sometimes. No, Pastor, I'll believe it. Yeah, we do. We really believe sometimes that if I were to have this, I'd be happy. Well, it would be a lot. And look, I understand, you know, if you were able to just pay for anything, life would be easier in some ways, but it would also be harder in some ways. Because you'd have family you never met coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, remember me? I'm Cousin Joe. Give me some money. 
But, uh, you, you know, what I'm saying is we sometimes believe that if I were to get this, then I'd be happy. If I could just get out of this apartment and get a house, then I'd be happy. If I could just find the right spouse, then I'd be happy. If I could just, you know, if my kids would just start living right, then I'd be happy. If, if I got that new car, you know, and this old, you know, old rundown one that I have, you know, if I could have that car, if I could have my dream car, man, if I could have some money in the bank, if I could have, and sometimes we really think that if we had that, then we'd be happy. But here's the truth. If you ain't happy now, you wouldn't be happy when you got it either. That's the truth. Can things bring fulfillment? Can things bring purpose? I didn't say can things bring happiness, because I think things can bring happiness. But happiness is transitory. Happiness is here one second and gone the next. You can be talking to someone and be so happy one second, they can say something to you and now you're angry. I mean, happiness is here and gone you know, in the blink of an eye. Is the answer to the meaning of life to get all that you can? Is that the answer? Get all you can. Well, you know what? I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. You know, it's, uh, Paul said, you know, you brought nothing into this world. It's certain you can carry nothing out. So we know the answer to this. Solomon, though, got himself lands, houses, vineyards, orchards, gardens, pools. I'd love a pool. Servants, cattle, gold, silver, musicians, and anything else his eyes wanted. That's what he got, whatever he wanted. So... Let's find out the answer, right? So let's just, let's, let's together, let's test Solomon's uh, theory here. He said, okay, since I'm able to do this, I will. I will get all of the treasure I can find. I've tried all the pleasure. Now I'm trying the treasure. And let's find out if I get everything I want, will that make me happy? Parents, are your kids always just like you? After their birthday, they're just forever happy? I bought them presents for their birthday, and they never wanted another one again. Yeah, right. You know how it is. You bought them this thing, and then two months later, the new one comes out. And this one is good as trash at that point. They'll never touch it again. You know, and then, but, so they want the new one, and that, that's just how it is. But adults are that way, too. You know, we get the new iPhone, and we're like, oh, you see the new iPhone? It's great, and the new one comes out. This is garbage. i got to have the new one. You know, we're just as bad. I used to be that way about the iPhone. Thankfully, I've wisened up a little bit. So let's find out, what did Solomon, did, did his existential question, what's it all about? And then he says, okay, I'm going to try pleasure, or a treasure. Let's find his answer, verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. He looked on all of the, the lands and the orchards and everything he had, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. Remember vexation of spirit? grasping at the wind because you can't get it there's an, there's just like a an unfulfilled frustration that's what vexation of spirit is it's like trying to grab the wind you can't do it but you're trying and now there's this unfulfilled frustration he said that I, I got all the treasure i could find i had and if you look at first kings uh, i think it's chapter nine or ten it says that solomon what he would get uh oh man was it monthly was 666 talents of gold that he would just get given to him. I mean, like, the man had gold. He, he probably had gold everything, you know, like everything. And, and he, he just got so much of it all, and he comes to himself and says, but yet I'm still grasping after the wind. 
I'm still frustrated with life. I'm still, I feel like I, I, I'm not getting the fulfillment that I want. I'm not, I'm not finding what the purpose of it all is because I'm going to die and all this is going to go to somebody else. What's the purpose of it all? So his excess and his extravagance led him right back to emptiness. Right back to emptiness. Right back where he started. He, he tried this experiment. No. He tried this experiment. No. Now he's trying this experiment, and he's not finding the purpose and meaning. Would you feel this in? When you look for purpose in pleasure or treasure, you will always end up empty. When you look for purpose in pleasure and treasure, you will always end up empty. Now here's the thing. I'm not saying it's wrong to have some treasure in your pocket. If you have literal treasure in your pocket, that's weird right now. I've got some rubies, you know, or something. That'd be strange. But, you know, it's probably not wrong. It's not wrong to have money. We know that. It's, it's, not, the, it's not money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's when you put your faith in money. It's when you look to money or things to fulfill you, then you are going to be empty. You know, that, that is not what life is about. One of my favorite actors growing up when I was, uh, and I don't recommend him, but he was, he was my favorite actor growing up, was Jim Carrey. He used to be very famous in the 90s when I was a, when I was a kid. And, uh, and, you know, he had all these huge movies that were out and everything. And I found out later in life, you know, that he just went through some, through the same things we're, that we're talking about. The pattern of what's the purpose of it all and not finding the purpose of it all. And here's what he said. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. I'm talking about a guy who was the highest paid movie star. He was the coveted guy. They, everybody wanted him. I mean, he had just multiple movies in a row that were huge hits. And he said that and he, he was the guy that, that wrote himself a check for like a couple million dollars or something and put it in his wallet before he ever got famous, and then he got famous, and he took that check out, and ca- I don't know, you know the whole thing. But I mean, like, he had that as a goal. And then he gets to, to where he wants to be, and he says, I wish that uh, everybody could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. That's, uh, that's very aware, I would say, of, of him to come to that conclusion that it brings emptiness. So as we're hearing these things, I'm trying not to be repetitive, when I go through these lessons, because Solomon is talking about the same thing. He's getting to the same conclusion. But I want you to see some lessons here about this. What does this mean for us? Okay, a couple things quickly tonight. Number one, I want to say this. Focusing on self never leads to joy or fulfillment. Focusing on yourself never leads to joy or fulfillment. Everywhere I turn... I hear conflicting messages in the world, you know, when, when I have an ear listening. And so much of it today is, you know, you do you. You take care of you. You know, hey, it's, it, you, you have to take, it's me first, take care of me. And then, you know, and it's all, there's so much of everyone out there saying, you know what you just need? You need to, to you know, focus on you. That's what you need. Your, your problem is you're, you're too giving. You need to focus on you. Can I just ask, can you find one Bible verse that would back that up? Can you find one thought in Scripture of where God says that's the answer? Because I can find a whole bunch where Jesus says the exact 
opposite thing. Now look, I think you ought to take a day off. I think God wants you to take a day off. I think you ought to kick the kids out and spend time with your spouse. I think you ought to uh, you know, go on date nights. I think you need alone time. I think, you know, hey, I'm an introvert. I need my alone time, right? Well, I, I think there are times where diversion is, and variety are necessary. But this idea that you are the most important person on the planet, I'm sorry, it's not backed up scripturally. Let's look at a few things here. Now, first of all, on your sheet there, in these verses, did you notice how many times he used personal pronouns? I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens. He uses the word I 15 times. In verses 4 through 11, he uses the word me 11 times. The word my 7 times. So what was he doing? And we know he purposely did this. But everything he acquired and bought was for himself. It wasn't like, I made me great orchards for my thousand wives. No, he was doing it all for himself. Saying, hey, and he purposely did it to say, I want to find out if like this is the reason or this is the purpose and meaning of life and if this will make me feel fulfilled. And so he was doing it all for himself. Can I help you with this? Would you write this in? How do you stop feeling empty? Here it is. Empty yourself. What are you talking about? I'm already empty. No, 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 no. Here's the truth. When you feel empty, you're full of you. That's the problem. We're empty because we're already full of us. And what we need to do is empty us of us. You're too full of you. And if you want the emptiness to go away, the emptiness is there because you're thinking about you too much. You know, I, I challenge you to try this. You're feeling empty. You're feeling life. You know, you're asking the existential questions. Or you're asking, why am I even doing this? Why am I going to church? Why am I reading my Bible? Is it even making a difference? I encourage you to take your prayer time, whatever time that is, and just spend the whole thing praising God. And tell me at the end of that time if you don't feel better. I guarantee you. Because what, what's going to happen? Because you're getting your eyes off you, and you're getting your eyes on him. And when you get your eyes on him, the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off you. The pro Look, we have so many problems in our life because we're just thinking about us too much. And, and yes, I know there are real issues we need to deal with, Yes. But a lot of times, if we would get our minds on Christ, those issues wouldn't be issues because we're dealing so much with our own. And I'm, I'm putting me in this conversation, too. I've learned this truth the hard way, to just praise God. And I've learned, wow, you, you're, you're thinking too much about you, Eli. Think about Christ. So that's how you stop feeling so empty. Empty yourself. You're probably too full of you. Write this in. Self is the enemy of fulfillment and joy. Self. Putting yourself first. That is the enemy of your fulfillment. That is the enemy of your joy. It's not how you get joy. You know, we use that, uh, that uh, acrostic joy, J-O-Y. It's a simple truth, but it's a great truth. Jesus, others, you. And that is a great way of remembering, how do I get joy? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. doesn't say not to take care of yourself. 
It says self last. Jesus, others, you. Joy. That's how you get it. Focusing on self never leads to joy fulfillment. Number two, Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, not live for ourselves. Take your Bible, go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. A lot of times I just quote scripture or I'll put it on the sheet, but I want you to see scriptures in your Bible. Mark 8, 34. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, not live for self. Mark chapter number 8, verse number 34 through 38, here's what the Bible says. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, also he said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, not his pillow, not his, you know, nice car, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, you're holding on to it, you know, you're trying to, trying to squeeze the most out of it for yourself, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, give it to God, live it for Jesus and the gospels, the same shall save it. I like, I chose Mark specifically because in the other two passages, the parallel passages in Matthew and Luke, it leaves out that phrase there, and the gospels, but I love that. And the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's what we're seeing a lot of people, they're getting the whole world. But where's their soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, Jesus says, deny yourself. Acts 20, 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring, you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more happy. Blessed. It's more happy to give than to receive. And that's just a true statement. Galatians 6, 14, but God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He said, hey, I'm dead to this world. This world is dead to me. Not in like, you know, I'm never talking to anybody else again, but, but the allurements of this world, I'm dead to it because I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. I'm crucified unto this world. I'm dead to them. I'm here for Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. And then in 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love the things of this world. Don't get attached to, to living to try to get these things. And if you get these things, then you'll be happy. It won't work. It will not work. You're living your life for a puff of wind that you're going to keep grabbing for and you're going to be frustrated your whole life because you're never going to get it. D.L. Moody, a great preacher of the 1800s, said, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. When we are, our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. Then he says this, but if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. We deny ourselves. We say, no, self, yes, Jesus. That's the key to joy right there. No, self, Yes, Jesus, that's it. Focusing on self never leads to joy or fulfillment. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, not live for ourselves. And then lastly tonight, true pleasures and treasures are for Christians in this life and especially in the next. Now I want you to look at Mark chapter 10. You're in Mark 9. Go to Mark 10. 
Now get what I'm saying with that statement. True pleasures and true treasures are for Christians. But it's not just in heaven. It's in this life too. You know, we're, we're of all men most miserable when we try to live for ourselves. When we're trying to live for our flesh. Now we know a little bit about heaven and we know it's far greater than we can imagine. We know that we're laying up treasures in heaven, but, but we don't know exactly what that translates to. You know, what's the currency of heaven? I'm laying up treasures there. You know, I don't get a paycheck. What, is that, what does that account to? And I know we have crowns and different things we talk about. But there's a lot about heaven we don't know. But I want to show you a verse in scripture here that is just, to me, it's mind-blowing. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 10, Mark 10, 29 and 30. Got to make sure I get these references right. Recently, I've had a bad go of some of them. Mark 10, 29 and 30. And Jesus answered, <clears throat> look at verse 28, and Peter began to say to him, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Remember, he, they're talking about having riches and getting into heaven is a hard thing. And Peter says, lo, Lord, we have left all and followed thee. We've given it all up, Lord. What about us? And Jesus answered, I love these two verses. And Jesus answered, verily, truly, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, there's that phrase again, but he shall receive an hundredfold. What is the next four words? Now in this time. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, you're going to live godly for Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution, and in the world to come, eternal life. Okay, so, so what's he saying there? That doesn't mean, when he says there, but shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, you're going to have a hundred mothers you're going to have a hundred wives. You're going to have a hundred houses. You're going to have a hundred lands. You're going to have a hundred brothers and a hundred sisters. And a... He's not talking in the literal uh, 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 you know, numeral of 100 or whatever. He's not saying that. He's saying that we will be a hundred times compensated. A hundred times compensated in this life. And the value of what we have in this life is greater because of God. What, what you have in this life, simply because you follow God, is of greater value than anything a lost person has. It's of greater value. Look, we have his favor, and, and we can truly enjoy his blessings on earth, and even more so in heaven. Unsaved people are grasping for the answers, and they're not getting it. They may have all the things... But they don't have the joy. And here's us coming along seeking first the kingdom of God. And all of these things are being added to us. And we're like, Lord, we don't deserve this. Thank you so much. And we're enjoying it. We're freely giving. It's freely given to us. We're freely giving it to other people. And what's happening? We're living a hundred times more joy than anybody in the world. And so Jesus said, you know, what are you giving up? To serve me. I'm giving you a hundred times what they have. The, 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 the favor that he shows us. The love that he bestows upon us. The, the blessings that he gives. The compensation. You want to talk about getting a, 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 you know, a, a package when you go working somewhere. What's the, what's the financial package I'll get here? Look, living for God is, is better than anything. 
And he's saying, look, you have all of this, and and it's a hundred times better what I'm compensating you with, what I'm giving to you. The value of what I give you is a hundred times greater than anybody that's not living for God or living for the gospel. I I, I just love that, that God makes your life a hundred times better now and also in heaven. You say, well, my life's pretty rough. What if you didn't have Jesus? Would your life be better or worse? Oh, man, it'd be a hundred times worse. A, a million times worse because then your miserable life ends and you go to hell come on Jesus adds purpose and meaning to your life and if you're feeling like you have a miserable life hey maybe it's because you need to get closer to God because he's wanting to bless us he wants to give you his favor and his blessings upon your life when you live for him and for the gospel's sake and your sheet there I hesitate to give you the last blanks because then I start hearing papers rustle shoes going back on jackets zipping up Eyeglass cases folding, you know. Some of you are getting like a foot in the aisle, getting ready to just sprint out the back door. Let's just relax for a moment, okay? You're early. I'm going to say this and then close, all right? As Christians, we get the best life under the sun, and then we get eternal life over the sun. You're blessed. I'm blessed. Sometimes we forget it. I do too. But your life is better than any unsaved person's life. Pick one. Pick the richest, most famous person you can imagine. Your life's better because you have Jesus. And you're going to be compensated now and in the world to come. Why would we want anything else? But here's the thing. If you live for self now, you give up all those pleasures and treasures that are real, that are true, that do bring fulfillment to life. So I want to just ask as we close, have you been focused on yourself too much and not enough on others in Christ? Maybe there's a lack of joy in your life because really, if we're being honest, we're thinking about ourselves too much. Think about me. Be more gracious to me, okay? No, I'm kidding. But uh, think, about your, uh, think about others in Christ. Are you believing the lie that the world, uh, that, that, of the world that the things... Let's say that again. Are you believing the lie of the world that things will give you joy? And then maybe think, how do you combat that? How do you, how do you beat that? With truth, that's how. And then are you putting Christ first so that we can enjoy true pleasures and treasures now and in heaven? I hope we're learning from Solomon. Goodness, he, he went through it for us. And uh, let's learn the truth. This is so applicable today. You know, if I had the popularity and all that, no, we wouldn't be happy. If you're not happy now, you wouldn't be happy then. Let's look for that fulfillment in Jesus Christ and realize your life is so much better than if you did not know Jesus. Father, bless us, I pray tonight, with your word and with your spirits just teaching upon our hearts, God, as we go home tonight, I pray that you would bring these thoughts back to our mind. Help us to chew on them a little bit. Help us to think on them and, and really consider the truth of the message we're hearing so that we don't continue to believe that, oh, I'd be happy if I just had this. That's not true, God. We need to be, uh, we need to be happy in Jesus today. We need to live for you. We need to uh, deny ourselves and follow Christ and put you first. And then true joy and happiness will come. So, Lord, help us to learn our lessons tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you, folks. See you Saturday for soul winning. Stick around in fellowship. God bless you. You're dismissed. Mm-hmm.